Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. Here, this is the spot where the conversations are pointed, the guests are sharp, and the responses are never dull. Did you bring your thinking caps? Because it's time to put them on. Because the conversation starts now. Welcome to On the Edge with April Mahoney Brains. It's a brand new year. I got a brand new postcard too. You know what? I'm going to change my postcard. I decided to go with a different power color. This year, we're going to be green. Ooh, how about that? And with a new year, there's new ideas and new information. And Lisa Marceau is going to be talking to us about what companies and individuals need to know about the generational um did the digital generational change when it comes to our healthcare? What that looks like, what that means. We're going to do a deep dive. Um, she's really dedicating a lot of time to this because the millennials are looking for something different. Brains, they are not looking to work for a company for twenty years. Which you know, if you make it through four, you're lucky. But twenty years and die at that company and get the company badge and all that kind of stuff. They're looking for more freedom. They're looking for more flexibility. We're talking about the age of the great resignation where people are not wanting to go back to a traditional job, especially after, you know, the last few years of recovering from, you know, COVID and, you know, political upheaval, all this other stuff. People are really just trying to find a different way of life. And so Lisa is going to navigate us through that. Hello, Lisa Marceau. I'm glad to have you. Oh, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. And I'm really excited to talk about this stuff. It's my passion. Okay. I've been it for a long time. All right. So I'm trying to really figure it out because I'm going to tell you something. I am hotter than fish grease. <laughs> and that's hot. I've been getting all of these bills. I changed from one uh, healthcare provider. And now I'm going to another healthcare provider, which I really didn't know a lot about the mechanics of how it works. But they're nickel and diamond me. Every time you turn around, there's a little bill for this, a little bill for that. We refer you out to a specialist. We do this. We it's so complicated. And I'm 60 years old. I can only imagine when I'm, you know, down and disabled, I'm not gonna know what's going on. Tell us what's going on in the health. First, start with your story and then tell us what's going on in the healthcare arena, and then we'll move into where you're trying to take it. Well, you know, your experience is, you know, kind of you can't throw a stone and, and not hit someone who has a story about their, you know, ask them what's, what has their healthcare experience been like? And I think that's what we hear a lot in the news is healthcare system is broken. But what does that actually mean? And and my story is really that journey. I, I, I was kind of taught, kind of I had was taught one thing and lived a different experience. And when I was, uh, and I'm going to, I want just want to start April, I just want to start with the generations, because I'm going to talk a lot about what that means. And I'm a Gen Xer. Okay. Um, and so, you know, if you think about, you know, when I grew up, baby boomer and silent generation parents, they came from the stable jobs, stable careers, work for 20 years. Like you said, get your badge, get your watch. Health insurance was part of that package. You did the right thing. You recovered. And I, that's what I was taught. And then I got into the workforce, got the stable job, got the steady paycheck and you know, what I was taught was not my reality. Like you said, my lived experience in health healthcare was really around fractured, uh, lack of access. And I, I worked in one of the um, kind of most, uh, the, the best healthcare uh, cities in the world. Mm. And that was me. And what I did for a living was I 
did research on health and health in the health system, who has and who doesn't have access. And the reality that I learned both in my lived experience and in my research is the health story that I was told was not exactly true. So many people didn't have access. So many people were misdiagnosed, missed, you know, couldn't afford healthcare. Um, to the point that like one of the statistics that is still true today, which kind of boggles my mind, is that 50% of the counties in the United States of America are maternal care deserts. That means there's zero maternal care. And that's just one wow. example of where our health care is at right now. That means over 1,200 counties in the United States don't have any maternal care at all. So this is this is the lived experience of health care versus what we were taught you know, kind of in our in our generations that get a job, have health insurance, you'll be fine. So that's kind of the back, the beginning of my story is I spent, you know, 25, 30 years doing health research, working in the working in the systems, hospitals, insurance companies, learning and and being and realizing that this is broken. So, you know, what you kind of just shrug your shoulders, what do we do about it? But that's that's really where where my journey took a left, a left turn. And um I can, I can tell you like where, why the digital generations, why the generational stuff is so important to me. Okay. We're going to get to that, but also you were right at the precipice of um, the Obama. Well, I don't want to call it Obamacare, the Affordable Care Act. Affordable Care Act, right. Okay. And yes, give him credit because all these people that were arguing against it are some of the same people that need to sign up or their children are impacted by it. But now I'm about to do my taxes. And if you don't check this box number 92 uh, that verifies that you have health insurance, you're penalized. But then there's people that are still don't have access to it. I'm confused. Right? Because what fundamentally, and this is really interesting, and I don't think a lot of people fully understand that the are the employer-based health model that we kind of is part of the, our whole right, culture. Right, right. That was started in the 1940s through a stabilization jobs act that was really intended to get people to become to work for companies when they couldn't use salaries to entice people to come to work. So they added health benefits. It was never fundamentally about giving you comprehensive health care. So the foundation of our, our system is really based on a kind of a, a different bringing people in to become employees. Um, and so that's where you see a system that was built in the 40s that we're still living today. The job, the job market, the way we work and live is completely different, but the healthcare system has followed that path. So, so many people don't have access because the jobs today are very, very different than they were in the 1940s. And the expenditure to your employer. I get that. You've got a company, but now you are beholden to take care of them and their family you know, for their medical benefits. And the company is like, hey, look, I didn't get, you know, your wife and four kids and they're paying a large percentage of that. So now a lot of those costs are being offset to the individuals and our right. premiums are going up. Right. So I'm glad that you explained that. That's really good to know. All right. So where are we today? Well, on the, on the kind of the job market, if you, this is another kind of, I think, little known fact is that 99% of our businesses are small businesses in the United States, not large businesses. They're small yeah. businesses. And that's important because of those small businesses, they're num that employs 50% of the United States. So uh, we have 99% we have of the businesses out there are small businesses. They employ 
half of our half of our population. And their biggest number one concern is not being able to afford stable health insurance. So that's the state of affairs right now. And I think that that's where we look at some of the big changes coming along in, 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 in the great resignation and some of the things you mentioned in the intro. There are some really big changes coming along because the system is not supporting the economy in which we live. So... And healthcare is ridiculous. The expense, I was in the ER. <laughs> I had a muscle spasm from hell. And I'm there and I was almost nervous because I was concerned of what that bill was going to look like. Got right? the bill, I was there eight hours, $11,000. Okay. And, right. And how many people make the choice? And this is, this is, what's, this is where we, we really have to think about what we're doing in terms of healthcare, and this is where changes, this is where I'm dedicating a lot of my energy and effort is this is where you see changes starting to happen. Because a lot of people make different decisions when they say, should I go to the ER? Mm -hmm. Should I just wait? Should I think about it? And when you even like something as serious as, as you know, a, a muscle spasm in your chest, is it a heart attack really? Right. Should I wait it out? I mean, that's, that can be a very, uh, very big decision if you have to make that decision and you're worried about an $11,000 bill, not being able to pay it versus not being around for your family. I mean, these are the life and death decisions people are making every day. That's, that's what, do you, and it's not going to go down. It gets more expensive every time. Oh, and that wasn't just it. You know, thankfully I have good insurance and that covered most of it, but I still got a bill for the, uh, for the physician. I thought he came with the, with the <laughs> right. You get seven so, bills. Right. I get you get seven bills. And I was getting a little annoyed because again, I was with an HMO, which everything was pretty much compartmentalized. You know, you got a deductible and that was it. You were fine. But all this little this, that, and the other. Okay. So now as we progress, what are you, what is your job function? What are you doing? And and what do we have to look forward to? Well, that's the interesting thing. So, you know, and I and I want to point out that, you know, it's not the people in the healthcare system necessarily, because it's not that anyone is doing the wrong thing. It's just that everyone is doing the same thing. And that's where the challenge is because and and where I kind of where my journey took a took kind of like the the my journey blossomed into something really interesting is when I started to really take all of the health research and health experience that I had and started working with digital generations um, and really understanding who they are what they're looking for. And for them, health healthcare isn't really viewed as a component of work. They're not tied together. In fact, that's what we were taught. But what they see, they see health as a journey. They see it as a continuous journey and an investment. And so how they look at healthcare and health is actually outside the work environment. Mm. That's where you come to the great resignation. And I think this is a fascinating story that is really not talked about a lot. It is pretty interesting. So did you know, in the Great Resignation, I think it's something like, um, I'm going to see if I can grab my numbers, but the in the Great Resignation, the vast majority of people who resigned were in the millennial and the Gen Z generations. Yep, I believe it. Right? And they gave up stable paychecks and they gave up presumably health insurance. Because in their world, the philosophy is those things are not tied together. It's about, and I love this um, one of the uh, articles I was reading was about um, what was the cause of the great resignation? One of the reasons was this priority reevaluation. I love that expression. Mm. So 
I think in the pandemic, a lot of us did priority reevaluation. But if you think about what is what is meaningful to you, if it's a if it's an underpaid job or it's you know health insurance doesn't become the primary driver, it becomes what is the value that I want to give in my life? Where do I want to grow and go? What do I want to do? What satisfaction am I getting? And they don't see health insurance as the the hold as in my generation, like our generation wasn't re, uh, resigning in the Great Resignation because we were taught you need your job for health insurance. Right, right, right. Okay, so what are they looking at? I mean, because your health is your wealth, bottom line, and you do need health care and you do need coverage. Are they looking at maybe more the holistic approach, maybe the preventative care, uh, maybe more Eastern philosophy with, with medicines? Are they looking for alternatives? What are they doing? Because they're going to have to see a doctor eventually. Well, it's kind of a it's kind of a big mixed bag of all of the above, and that's why when I say health isn't binary, it's a journey. Um, it's not about diagnosis, not diagnosis. It's not about treatment X or treatment Y, and it's not about having healthcare at the point you have disease. Like, you know, I have a pain, I go to the doctor, I get diagnosed, and then I go have it treated. That's binary healthcare in a lot of ways. It's a yes, no, zero, one type of approach. But the way these generations are experiencing health is everything from, you know, everything from putting your phone down for an hour because you need a break. That's that's health and wellness. Wellness, they want they want easier, easier access um, through technology, which which the pandemic showed is possible. Oh, um, yeah. Telemedicine. Yeah. Right? I was getting annoyed at first, but then I was like, well, you know what? This is kind of convenient because I can, you know, explain what's going on. That's all he's going to do anyway, you know. There's certain Don't have to sit in the waiting room. Yeah, but sometimes you still want your vitals taken and you know, but they'll call you in and do that and do your blood work. So it is kind of uh it is kind of convenient that telemedicine. It's convenient. They want um they they want um wear, wearable technology is a, is another place where we're seeing a lot of growth because you can measure a lot of those vitals right right in your own home, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. um with the Fitbit and the 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 i watch i mean what is it the ipad watch or whatever you can tell yeah and then now they have all of these things to check your glucose monitors yeah so that yeah i get so they it. can do a lot right from home and and like to to your point what they also say is almost 90% of of members of this, these generations say they want holistic health and they don't want people to just name it holistic they actually believe that mental mental wellness is critical to healthcare physical wellness wellness in general, not just like I said, disease specific care. So they're seeing holistic as truly holistic care. That can be that can be the spectrum of Eastern um, to Western medicine. It can be exercise. It can be a lot of uh, kind of alternative ways that we make ourselves healthy. So for that generation, it's way outside of this very narrow lane that's been defined as healthcare. And we, and this is where I am spending a lot of my time is we as business leaders, we, when we are looking at how do we address these significant points of change in our companies, we need to look at the culture of the people who are in our companies. Right. And one other thing that I think is, is, is kind of forgotten is the digital generations are now 40 and under. Think about that for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I did. I've outgrown it. <laughs> Forty and under. So they're they're parents, they're managers, right. they're leaders. They're not kids. We you know we tend to think of them as the, the young kids who are you know they can right. quit their jobs because they don't have to worry about it. They're they're they have families. They're leading companies. They're in management positions. 
So this is a mass and they're half of the employment base. So they're not a small group of people. And I think that what, what I'm trying to help companies who are truly interested in mission critical change and future looking is to understand the culture of their companies right? so that they can make real change and not try and put the genie back in the bottle. And the demographics of their workforce, you know, exactly. who's, who's aging out, you know? Uh, right. So that, that's, that's very, very important too, because again, that's redefining what this uh, package that you're going to get at the HR meeting, <laughs> exactly. uh, right? What, what is that going to look what's that's going to look like but also what is the bottom line going to be for corporations and maybe what other incentives are they going to be able to put in place with that i mean you know you have now what i love is that fathers are getting um paid time off to be right. with their newborns that's very important uh now they're lumping everything together uh, and your package as personal time off. It used to be me and my husband were talking about the other day. It used to be these little slots. You had a little sick time. You had a little vacation. You had a right. bloody holiday. Now you're getting personal time off, but you need mental health days. Right. All of that. Exercise. I know that there's companies now. I worked for one when I was back in corporate America, which was the coolest ever. We had a masseuse. That would, yes, girl, she would come in and you could go right. in and go uh, we would have time to, we had a comfort room where we could go and take a nap. We had another room where uh, we had a reflexologist that would come in every now and then. So all of these things make it a more durable and livable work environment. You look at places like Google and uh, Yahoo and Amazon, they've got ping pong tables, they've got basketball courts. They have things that you can engage yourself. You can have meetings outside in a, a nice um atrium instead of being behind the desk so all of these things really add to the mental health of your employees and right. it is a paradigm shift it is and i think that you know there's they're often painted with the brushstroke of being lazy or coddled and remember we raise them <laughs> our right. generations have right. raised them so um, careful what we say about them but what they i think that that you're making a really good point is that we have to redefine what those benefits are um, and that's why I think that this massive shift, the paradigm shift in the digital generations is affecting our healthcare and our employment. And those are really tied together. So how do we change our thinking and be really evolutionary about, um, about how we work and how we engage in our work and that, that it is a health activity across right. the board, right? But that's where diversity, equity, and inclusion really come to the forefront because People don't just want to be counted. Oh, there's so many women. There's so many of this minority or that minority. We want to sit at the table. We want right. to be able to make a decision and let you know what is impacting us, which ultimately is impacting your bottom line as Corporation X. That is a big shift. And that's a big shift in the thinking is that used to be, um, it's a family environment, come in and be part of our family. And that's in a lot of ways, and there's a lot of writing on this right now, is a lot of ways that means Come in and, and do the work, work really hard, but we're not going to necessarily give you extra compensation for working really hard, extra hours. So this family idea is really about, you know, has kind of gone out the window because it's like, I'm, I want to come to work for a mission driven company. I want to work for a company that respects my time, that respects my culture, that respects, you know, the things about me that I find important. That's not lazy or coddled. That's actually what I would say, making a statement about what you believe you, your work environment should be. 
And I think that's what we're starting to see because half of the workforce is female, half of them are multicultural. So there, you know, we're, we're looking at a, a major shift in even what the population looks like demographically. Absolutely. And it could, if you're ahead of the game, it can save you a whole lot of money. You can be, exactly. the template, you know, you could be the template for some of these changing ideas. So you can be the leader. Yeah. You can lead, you can lead through change by showing your, your, and, and then they will become your biggest advocates, right? An employee who feels, feels that they are um, truly valued, um, that, that they become your biggest advocate. All right. So now on the real deal, Lisa, how many corporations and companies are really buying into this philosophy? Because change is, you know, change is uncomfortable. Oh, let's not rock the boat. Oh, we're going to do this. And, you know, we're going to have this mass exodus of people that are going to leave or, you know, the, the corporate big wigs are not going to go for this stuff. What's the pulse out there? You know, it's it's really a, it's a great question, and it's really varied because I think there is some of the some of the larger corporations have a tough time changing because culture is embedded so deeply and change is hard. But what I would say is those com- the companies that are big now were small once, and so if you're out there and you really believe in evolutionary change and you really want to embrace a future focused perspective, it doesn't matter how big or small you are start talking and start having the conversations and start critically listening to your your teams. And that's a lot of the stuff that I do is really being consumer-centered research, really human-centered and figuring out what is your culture? What do you want it to be? Where where are your problems? Where are your um, opportunities? And and lean into those and, and, and understanding. And I think the flip side of that, which has to be noted is there are people across all generations in most companies. So we have to respect that there's there might be a rift between older generations and younger but how do you bring those together? How do you respect all of it? And that's the goal. And so it doesn't matter what size company, um, because I do think the larger organizations have difficulty changing, mm-hmm. um, not to say that they can't or won't, but also there's a there's a whole wave of companies out there that can come and show how to do it and, and be the leaders and become the leaders. Okay, so we're talking about the company. Let's talk about the healthcare providers. Are they buying into this philosophy? Are they mirroring, are they sitting at the table? Are they mirroring this philosophy? So healthcare providers, you know, at the end of the day are truly out there to want to do what's best. There's, you know, I think, like I said, it's not that anyone is doing the wrong thing. They're just working in a system that you can do one thing. You can do it the same way. So there are providers out there who are writing, talking, leading in this space. And I think that that's, that is to be valued. Um, But also a lot of providers are leaving the workforce not not only I know. Lose. we lost i i think it was something like 3000 healthcare providers during the pandemic providers and nurses are nurses just, doctors and, and yeah and nurses are not you know they're not going to the the uh going to the schools to getting the certification the way that they were once were and i'm not saying quote unquote just from my perspective what i see brings us to my disclaimer is that a, a lot of physicians but physician assistants are stepping up to the plate. So that whole, you know, that whole scene is kind of changing a little bit. Right. It's right. Rethinking. And again, that kind of goes to evolutionary thinking and reimagining because you can't, you can't, and and I, I've done research on this 20 years ago, we were talking about the, um, the loss of physicians due to physician burnout, the number of physicians who would need to be trained in order to get them into the workforce. And that was 20 years ago when the problem is getting bigger, not smaller. Mm-hmm. So how do we 
take the value of those providers and really respect what they bring to the table. And at the same time, think differently about what other resources we need to support health across the country, you know, and globally, because people need people in the healthcare deserts really need healthcare. So how do we how do we train differently, think differently, reimagine? Well, you know, they're starting with AI, artificial intelligence, and robotics. Exactly. Right. You know, they're that's taking over a lot of stuff. I worked for a company years ago that did um minimally evasive spinal technology, where they used to cut your back in half to do a, you know, L5, L4. This is now a little cannula, a little light goes in there. It's still a major surgery, but it's less impactful on the body. And that was, again, about 20 years ago. So I can only imagine what is coming down the pike right now. And you've got these young, innovative, and not even so much young. There's older people or more mature people that are in this space that are mentoring these young people and saying, hey, this is what I wish we had. Is this a possibility? This is what we're doing now. So all of it comes together for the good of one of us. And we need to really kind of, you know, stay on top of that, have this conversation more often uh, with our union leaders, because they're a big influence in the workforce Um, at universities, you know, really kind of get people on board to thinking about what is going on, because it's a huge digital divide but it doesn't have to be that way. We can definitely come together for the good. People are afraid of technology still. And and, and what's funny, which I, I'm, I'm working on a book called Ubiquitous, which is gonna be published this year. Mm. And it is really about healthcare, our health being everywhere all at once, right? And in, in that, I talk about the technology. And what is interesting is that the technology revolution that we are in now was actually started by baby boomers and Gen Xers. Mm-hmm. So we we kicked the we kicked off the ball, right? But the digital generations have run with it, and there's so much technology that could it exists now will become the norm and is starting to be kind of become part of the of the way we think of things. But there's a lot of resistance, like you said, and I think if we can start to carve out pilots or ways to think about testing these these um, approaches, we can actually integrate it into our system. Otherwise they will, the system that we have now will be overtaken by what will replace it eventually. And it's going to be based on AI. It's going to be based on technology. It's going to be based on online resources. And that seems futuristic until you really realize all of these technologies that exist today. And, and, and for the pandemic, it really demonstrated not only did they exist, they actually helped us get through the pandemic in ways that no one really expected. Exactly. Exactly. Because I, I tell you, uh, it was it was a scary time. And still people are looking at each other with a side eye trying right. to figure out, you know, where do we go from here? But I am glad that there are progressive thought leaders that are deep in the trenches like you, Lisa. You are really, really the best. Tell my brains how to get in contact with you, how they want to get more information and how they are going to be able to get a copy of that book. Cause I'm going to get the exclusive. You're going to come back and we're going to talk about it on the edge. So tell me <laughs> how to get in contact with you. So if you want a non-traditional approach to mission critical change, uh, let's talk. I am at LinkedIn, Lisa Marso. I am at alpha millennial health on my website, alpha M.com or sorry, alpha M health.com. And I am by email at alpha M health at gmail.com. Well, we are going to put all of your critical information at the back of the interview. We're going to run this over and over. We're going to share this around the world because this is not specific to the United States. This is global. Yep. You know, 
And don't let somebody steal it from under us, brains. We have to be at the forefront, okay? We're lagging behind in some things right now. But we want to be the ones right there on the cutting edge. Thank you so much, Lisa Marceau, for being here with me on the edge. Here's to you. It's been a joy. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you, brains. And I appreciate it. All right. We'll talk again soon. Be good to yourself, brains. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.